This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Luther. And Julia. All right, so of course you can take control of the airwaves, and that is the point of the program. It's why we call it Free Talk Live. As usual, all kinds of stuff to talk about here tonight, and uh, Jesse Ventura is pretty upset. I don't know if you guys uh, saw this news, but of course Jesse Ventura, the former wrestler, from the WWE, or I guess what was the WWF at the time that he was doing it, uh, of course, uh, left his wrestling career and uh, had an illustrious career in playing bit parts in movies and, and then became the governor of Minnesota. And unfortunately, he didn't really do anything that, that I know of for freedom while he was governor. Maybe maybe he did something, but it really wasn't anything to, to write home about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the big deal about Jesse Ventura was that he was elected as someone who wasn't a Republican or Democrat to a fairly you know, influential political seat, the, the governorship of, uh, of Minnesota. And so that was what the big deal was about Jesse Ventura is that somebody could get elected as a third-party player, or I think he was – I don't remember what his party was back then, but it definitely was not Republican or Democrat. I don't know if it was an actual right. party or if it was just, I'm an independent. I don't recall that. As far as I, I remember him being just an independent, but uh, that was, what, like 15 years ago? And, of course, he sounded a lot better than his Republican. It, gosh, I guess you're right. It probably was at least 10, if not 15. Yeah. Uh, but he sounded different. He sounded better than the Republican and Democrat uh, competitors. And because he was Jesse Ventura, he got some press time and actually ended up making it into, the, I think, the debates and was treated you know, kind of like a real candidate would be treated. But still, even all the pundits were saying... There's no way this guy can win. Hmm. And he did. So I guess it's nice, you know, that's kind of the the lesson to be learned from the Ventura thing. But he's still been in the limelight ever since uh, getting out of the governorship, unlike most political governors. I mean, most of them you probably don't even know by name, but Jesse Ventura still has that that name recognition. And so he's been popping up in the news here and there. And uh, just a few days ago, he popped up again out of St. Paul, where former Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura is so upset by the dismissal of his airport security lawsuit that he threatened Friday to apply for dual citizenship so he can spend more time in his beloved Mexico, either that or run for president of what he labeled the fascist states of America. Ventura sued the federal government in January, alleging that airport scans and pat-downs amounted to unreasonable search and seizure, which of course is what you really would have to argue because the Fourth Amendment says that they can search and seize whatever they want as long as, they, as long as it's reasonable. So you can't be subject to unreasonable search and seizure, but all they have to do is have a man in a robe say, well, that was reasonable. And right. that's all that, you know, that legitimizes any kind of invasion of, of privacy. So he was saying it was unreasonable what happened at the, the TSA airport scans. However, a district judge in St. Paul threw out his lawsuit on Thursday, ruling that it should have been filed with the Circuit Court of Appeals. Outside the federal courthouse in St. Paul, Ventura said that he hadn't decided whether to continue pressing his lawsuit. He said he wanted to make his case before a jury, not a panel of judges. Ventura has set a titanium hip implant in him in 2000 that was implanted in him in 2008, sets off metal detectors, and that agents previously used handheld wands to scan his body. Said he was subjected to a body pat-down after an airport metal detector went off last November, and said he has not flown since and will not fly commercially again. Ventura, who's a political independent who served one term as governor, teased he might have to run for president to change the policy and a court system that he regards as broken. Uh, Probably the president can't do that, though. In fact, I don't even know how you're supposed to change a broken court system. Right. 
or, or if there's any really uh, practical way of going about that rather than just dismantling it. Right. Well, how, how do you dismantle it? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's so – there's so many things that courts can do that aren't even legislative. Like they have this power called contempt of court that really isn't authorized in the legislature that I know of. It's just one of those supposedly inherent powers that uh, that courts supposedly have. And there have been court decisions – and I wish I could think of a specific one – but there have been decisions in the past where the legislature will attempt to – do some you know pass some sort of legislation controlling the courts and the courts will just review the legislation and declare it as unconstitutional right because they're the branch that interprets the laws yeah. so they can interpret it any way they want so that you know they can even just throw it out or not uphold it exactly so what can you really do to the court system how can you really have an effect on them even from within the system i mean maybe i just don't know enough i certainly am no political uh expert or anything like that right but i've seen those you know i've seen examples of that in the past where the court has just basically been like yeah we're just going to toss this law you're trying to control us the legislature we're just tossing this out right because we don't you know we don't have to listen to you we're we're separate from you and so therefore you can't be in charge of us and the executives aren't in charge of them either so would it have to be like a constitutional amendment that's what i'm thinking would Uh, i guess that's it because that's supposedly where they derive their power from right is from the uh the constitution whatever whether it's state or uh federal but they don't follow the constitution either yeah then there's that problem as well (laughs) so this whole working within the system is very very frustrating for anyone that's ever done it i actually just got back from uh, the, the Cheshire Democrats meeting here in uh, Keene, and I actually attended the Republicans meeting uh, earlier this this week. So I'm just kind of uh, dipping my toes into uh, to both, I guess, both pools just to see what what things are like uh, from the political perspective. And it was nice to see some uh, some liberty activists at uh, at the at the Democrats meeting at least uh, up here. And I just got off the phone earlier today with a with a guy out of, out in California who had all kinds of great ideas for us. And I was like, "Well, are you going to move?" And he was talking about how awful California was in comparison to New Hampshire. I said, "So why aren't you?" Because he said earlier in his phone call he wasn't planning on moving to mm-hmm. New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. And I said, "Well, well, why not?" I mean, all he was doing was complaining about California and how bad it was there and how great it was here politically in comparison. You know, like up there, they he said the the state reps get over one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. They get three offices. They get huge staffs. They get a free car. They get you know gas money. They get all kinds of you know health care. They they get wow. it all. And of course, here in New Hampshire, it's two hundred dollars a year, or two hundred dollars for two years, or something like that, and a little gas stipend, uh, stipend to get you to to Concord, and that's it. Wow! So it's like it's like night and day. You you get no office here, you get no staff here. Right. You can call the state reps at at their homes here, and the guy was like, "Yeah, you can't do that here." I, I wrote letters to these guys; they never even wrote me back. And so, well, why are you still there? He says, "Well, I'm I'm making headway." <laughs> he's got a plan that he's going to implement there in uh, in California and all by his change lonesome, everything. Huh? Yeah. Wow. So that's a that's a big state to change. I mean, and then there's so many different areas of the state that want so many different things. You know, uh, it's sa- humongous. Yeah, Sacramento. Uh, you know, wants to you know rain down on everybody with their legislative uh, you know edicts, basically. You know, and, and then uh, you got the more rural areas. And- sure, like Northern California, Southern Oregon, uh, Jefferson, if you will, uh, the state so- of Jefferson. Yeah. It's hella big. <laughs> the state of Jefferson or all of California? Yeah, all I of don't California. know. I just wanted to say hella because whenever anybody... <laughs> well, t- yeah, well, you also have... Oh, like that's a California thing, right? It is a Northern California slang term, and I just... When I hear it, it makes me cringe. I don't know <laughs> yeah, what it is about annoying. it, but I do not like it, especially because it seems like it's all they say. 
Like they right. say it a lot. I mean, well, New wi- Englanders have wicked. But they have wicked. I feel wicked isn't as bad it's as hella. It's not as bad as hella. That's hella tight. Right. It's wicked good, son. One eight five five four fifty free. You're certainly welcome to share your favorite colloquialisms or not so favorite ones. A <laughs> little bit more about Jesse Ventura. He said he lost his patriotism. Remember, he was talking about leaving, uh, getting dual citizenship, going down and living part of the year in Mexico because he's sick and tired of what he describes as the the fascist uh, states of America. And I I share his frustrations. He said he lost his patriotism. He says, quote, I will never stand for a national anthem again, uh, again, rather. I will turn my back and I will raise a fist. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Which is pretty Pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. That's going to be pissing off quite a few rednecks at uh, whatever sports event he's at. Yeah, I don't know where he was saying that. I think it was just a press conference out in front of uh, like a courthouse or something like that. So your thoughts are certainly welcome. 855-450-FREE. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, Michelle Seven actually was just down recently at the Operation... I keep calling it Operation Occupy Wall Street. <laughs> and she says she feels like it's going to fall apart. Really? Yeah. So maybe we'll talk more about uh, what's going on in the Occupy movement, but or whatever's on your mind, 855-450-FREE. You can take control of the airwaves. Also, man in Boston has been beaten for recording the police. 1-855-450-FREE. Bring up what you want. Take control. This is Free Talk Live. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. You can bring up anything you want. All you have to do is dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. We've lost a Luther. He is feeling a little, I guess, sick this evening. Yeah, out he said of his stomach hurt. Yeah, so he's taking the night off. So it's Julia and I here, and again, you as well. If you make the call, 1-855-450-FREE. And uh, we're going to get right into your phone calls. But first, want to let you know about what's coming up here in February, the 23rd through the 26th, happening at Nashua's Crown Plaza Hotel. It's a beautiful hotel in uh, Nashua, which is the second largest city in New Hampshire. It's going to be the Free State Project's Liberty Forum. And you'll be able to hang out with hundreds of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people, people that understand what freedom is all about. And you'll get to see some great special guest speakers like Joel Salatin, the author of You Can Farm, Clark Neely from the Institute for Justice. You may remember the IJ from the Kelo uh, decision, the, the Supreme Court decision way back when, where they came in and they defended the seven folks that were trying to have their homes stolen by the government in New London, Connecticut. So IJ will be there. Michael Cloud for the Center for Small Government, uh, as well as more. There are more speakers who will be announced. Usually there's a couple panel discussions as well, banquet dinners, uh, kind of the usual convention atmosphere. 
However, it's not quite the usual convention because this is a convention full of like-minded, liberty-oriented people. And you can save 10% if you use the Free Talk Live discount code, which is FTL2012. So go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. You can get signed up there. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum and use our code FTL2012. Save 10% on the already low early bird prices. It's under 200 bucks for the whole weekend. And this is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's, that's a really great deal for a convention anywhere you go and on top of that you can always share a room with some people and save some extra bucks uh, that way free talk live will be broadcasting live as well freestateproject.org slash liberty forum we go to doug listening in minneapolis doug you're on free talk live with ian and julia hi is this child protective services i'm sorry you've got completely the wrong department oh okay well listen i gotta tell you i was at a chinese restaurant moments ago and i saw three young asian kids below the age of Seven, processing raw vegetables while their parents or their friends or whoever was doing other work, other parts of the restaurant. So this is a complaint I'd like to lodge. These children are being brutalized. They're being forced to work. Um, oh, sure, they're laughing and having a good time and making a game out of this, but it wasn't fooling me. These kids need to be protected. Don't you agree? Julia, you've worked in the food industry in the past. Uh, I mean, what do you, how do you feel about bringing young kids in there into the kitchen and... And having them work. It seems unsafe, but I mean, in mom and pop, I worked for Panera, which was like a chain, so it's different. You but know what I mean? That, mom and pop restaurants. We didn't have any kids back there, but I, I mean, I worked with a family who had grown up basically in the back of a restaurant. They said that's where they grew up. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not really oh, uncommon with which, mom and pop restaurants, right? And the, the girl behind the counter who took my money and worked the cash register was not over 10. She was probably 9. Now, she's taking a perfectly good job from an able-bodied adult. <laughs> That's just wrong. Those darn kids coming in and offering their uh, their labor for lower than uh, market value, how dare they? I know. It's un-American. Of course, I think it's fantastic, and they're getting probably a better education than they ever would in a public school. Oh, man, the best thing that ever happened to me was was going to work. I mean, my mom brought me in at, uh, I didn't work at a restaurant, but she had a thrift shop, and so I was running the cash register and, you know, going out and putting polish on furniture or whatever, and uh, it was a great experience. Yeah, and these kids, there literally were three of them. They were probably all under seven, sitting at a table, plucking off the ends of pea pods, and, you know, they're all laughing and having a good time, and I just wonder if there's some busybody out there would actually turn them in if they would get in trouble for that. Well, usually, and those busybodies exist, and that's why we have child uh, labor. Well, that's why child labor laws exist because somebody decided that uh, people shouldn't be able to work beyond a certain or before a certain age. But usually, there's an exemption for family members. That's usually the now, way. I that... don't know if they were family though. What if they were friends of family? You know, some of these communities are very tight knit. In that case, you're right. There is that possibility, but whoever the investigator is would have to ascertain who is what. And so, just you know, at a glance, it may not be obvious that the person is is friend or family, and there would have to be some way to you know be sure about that before a charge could be brought. I would think. There's a little girl that hangs out at the Chinese restaurant here. I see her every time I go in there. Right. Hey, by the way, uh, did you watch the Jesse Ventura um, press conference? No, but we were talking about how he is uh, pretty pissed about uh, the so-called fascist states of America, as he put it. And I, I have to say I'd, I'd agree with him on that. Fasc- I think it's like more of like a fascio-socialism, but 
still accurate, right. fa- fairly accurate for him to say that. And he says he's uh, he might be leaving to Mexico because, or at least part of the time, because he's sick and tired of this crap. Right. Well, if you get a chance to watch it, just a little tooting my own horn here, you'll see a young videographer walking around Jesse Ventura. Taught him everything he knew. He's uh, one of my protégés. And get a load of this, dude. He, this young videographer who was in the Jesse Ventura, um, you know, he's in the video as he walks around. Mm-hmm. That guy came to me, offered his services for free to learn video. He was an audio guy before. He wanted to get into video. He worked for free for me for about a year and a half. And you now slave master. I know. And now he's doing professional. Um, Jesse works on Jesse's show. Hmm. He is, he's been done editing at WCCO Television, which is a CBS affiliate here. He gets called in for these press conferences and gets hired. He does, he does a fantastic job. He's making more money now than I was doing. Than now, I was making. Your phone's kind of in and out. I don't know if it's something happening on our network side or if it's uh, if it's on your side. It's kind of popping in and out a little bit. But uh, so you're saying that being able to work as an intern, work for free, basically, was able to get this gentleman the experience that he needed to really kind of get a foothold in the industry. Absolutely, and he does a great job, and he worked for free, not even any official intern program. Say, Doug, uh, just I'm curious, are you going to the Liberty Forum coming up in February? I was looking at airline prices yesterday and was appalled and trying to get my girlfriend out there, and it's going to be very expensive. I'm going to try to get out there at least myself and might even interview. Excellent. Well, I imagine there might be uh, some uh, carpools going as well from different parts of the country. That might be a way for folks to save even more money. Hey, Doug, thanks for the call tonight. appreciate hearing from yeah. you. The phone number here tonight for you, 855-450-FREE. That's toll-free, one 855 Four five zero three seven three three. I did intern uh, interning as well uh, when I was seventeen. I got a uh, intern seventeen. Yeah, I was seventeen. I got an internship at uh, what was the company that used to be Clear Channel, or I guess it it is Clear Channel now, but it wasn't Clear Channel at the time. But it was Clear Channel in Sarasota, and I worked for about nine months for free, uh, doing things like packing the station van, driving the station van, unpacking the station van, load, you know, hanging banners at uh, different events where like a jock would uh, disc jockey would come to. They would just show up. I'd have everything all set up for them. They could just sit down, do their disc jockey thing, and then I'd clean it all up. You know, go pick up pizzas, pick up wings from Hooters, just kind of basically be do boy for the for the radio station. And nine months later, they asked me if I wanted an on air internship, and I said yeah. And uh, actually, I guess it was part of the nine months. But then later, I had the opportunity to uh, get hired on the weekends doing overnights, and that's just. In the media business, at least, that's how you got to do it. Internships can be very valuable, but not just in media, but in all kinds of industries. one 450 free is the number here. You're welcome to tell your story, bring up whatever's on your mind, take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. The 
This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. Here tonight with you, it's Ian. And Julia. Inviting you on over to our website, freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of archives there. In fact, going all the way back to late 2006, they are all free for you over at freetalklive.com. So head on over and enjoy them. Share them, give them away, whatever you want to do. Uh, once again, freetalklive.com. Ruger's new SR-40C is the compact version of the recoil-reducing striker-fired SR-40 pistol, one of the slimmest and most ergonomic full-sized 40 caliber pistols on the market today. The SR-40C is based on the same high-performance glass-filled nylon frame as those used on so many great Ruger pistols, offering the same features, including a slim frame, short trigger reach, reversible backstrap, and ambidextrous controls. This SR40C features a thorough hardened stainless steel slide or alloy steel slide with Nitrodox Pro Black finish. See it at Ruger.com and purchase it at your local gun dealer. That's Ruger.com. Let's go to Ringo listening in Atlanta. Ringo, are you really listening on WAOK in Atlanta tonight? Yes, sir. Wow, that's that's great to know. I, I didn't even know we were on WAOK. I'll have to call the program director tomorrow and thank him for that. Anyway, what's on your mind tonight? I basically want to talk about the Michael Jackson incident. Yeah, what about it? And trial. Uh, just stating that uh, the doctor just got the wrong end of the deal. Other doctors have participated in Michael Jackson getting to that particular condition. Now, uh, now point of said, clarification on this. I, I honestly haven't been following it closely because there's just so much going on. Uh, what has, it, has the trial wrapped? I mean, I'm totally in the dark. What happened? Are you with the radio station? Yeah, we're right. I mean, we're not you should, with. You should know all about this. I, I you know, Rod I wish Redding I could know about every. About it right now. I'm sorry, Ringo. What? I said Rob Redding is talking about it right now on the radio. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, I'm familiar Are with. Are you the, with the same station with Rob Redding? I well, I don't know. You said you were listening on WAOK. I, it was news to me that we were on that station. So I don't know if you got some yeah. phone numbers mixed W-A-O-K, up. WAOK thirteen eighty. In Atlanta. Yeah, great station in Atlanta, no doubt about it. Uh, so, mm-hmm. no, I'm not on the sh- – this is not the Rob Redding Show. Did you think you were calling the Rob Redding Show? Yeah, that's the number you gave. Something, something must have gotten – some phone lines something must have must, gotten switched. You know, what station is this? Somewhere. Well, this is – you're listening – this is Free Talk Live. We're on a bunch of stations around uh, the country. Okay. And it's an open phones talk cool. show, so you can call in about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, on this show, so I'm happy to talk about the Michael Jackson situation. But if you could so do me the favor and and you know in, inform me because not everybody listening knows what's going on, and I don't know what's going on. Julia, are you? No, in, I don't in, either. So maybe Julie, you, could, you don't know what's going on with Michael Jackson. Okay? I don't. I'm well, sorry. I, I know that there was a trial. Really? I, I know it's there was a tri- CNN and cable. I don't watch television, man. I you know TV <laughs> TV doesn't do anything for me. Okay, okay. It doesn't do anything for you. There's well, a lot anyway, going on in the world. Jackson I can't follow. I, hold on, man. And you know about his death, I'm pretty sure. Ringo, I, yes, I know he... This on anyway? I got the news that he died, and I got the news that there was a trial. They had put his doctor, the doctor at the time, on, on trial. But, you know, I'm, I'm not BS. I'm not going to... I'm not going to BS you, man. I mean, I, I don't know what's going on, so what that's why I asked you. I'm sorry? What's your radio station? Well, as I mentioned, we have over 100 uh, radio stations that, that carry Free Talk Live across the country. Okay. So I think what happened was you maybe called the, the number for Rob Redding too late. Maybe he's already off the air or something. That's what I'm, I'm being Uh-oh. told by my Frank board operator. Be. Well, this is, 
I'm assuming that's what it comes on about this time. So I'm listening to it right well, now. Ringo, will you will you humor me? Because I mean, I I feel I feel ignorant. Okay, I I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I don't know what has what has transpired with the Michael Jackson trial. You guys, well, my, well, Rob already had his opinionated show basically, mm-hmm. and uh, my opinion is that um, the doctor is getting the wrong end of the deal. That basically, I mean, if you want, you tell your readers, whoever you work for. That these these uh, this doctors Michael Jackson was already drug addicted. My opinion, he's been drug addicted. This doctor took over, evidently, uh, and continued to give Michael the drugs that he was getting already. He was paid what was one hundred ten thousand dollars a month to uh, administer this drug to him, and that's what he did. But Michael, before Michael, he got to Michael. Michael was already drug addicted. I, I agree with you, stuff. Ringo. And I, I did. I finally, I pulled up the news here, and it's fresh as of an hour ago. Uh, Michael Jackson's mm-hmm. doctor, Conrad Murray, has been found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Uh, and we'll right. keep, we can get into some of the details on it here in a moment. But I agree with you. I think that uh, each individual is responsible for his or her own choices. And if Michael Jackson wants to pop pills, that's uh, that's up to Michael Jackson. And it should not be the responsibility of the uh, the doctor to monitor, you know, that whether or not the person is going to ab- be abusing themselves. I mean, I, th- I think that right. And, and and basically, you can see his role. Come on, hundred ten thousand dollars a month. He was a he's a he's a drug dealer. I mean, all the doctors that administered to Michael evidently were, were drug dealers, basically, personally, for Michael Jackson. And right. keep everything private, professional drug dealers with PhDs behind their name. And, and I don't think any drug dealer deserves to go to jail. I don't think that people who sell drugs are... You don't think drug dealers need to go to jail? No, of course not, do you? You don't do think you? drug dealers need to go to jail? I, no, do you? Really? Well, yeah, what? I think drug dealers need to go to jail for sure. No, why? I mean, they're just giving people what they want. I mean, people want drugs, and the dealers are supplying them with. <laughs> yeah, them. we all did our little thing in our day, but you know, but you know, if it wasn't available to people so easily, that would deter people from drugs. Well, see, that's just it. The the thing with prohibition is it actually makes the drugs that are out there much worse than they than they otherwise. You must would be a drug radio station. This is a drug radio station. You advocate drugs, <laughs> alcohol. Well, no, I'm I'm not a huge fan of alcohol necessarily, although I do use it occasionally myself. Um, I I think that okay. uh, I, I don't think what there's anything wrong with alcohol. Well, wait a minute, like Ringo. I mean, you asked me a question. Do you want an answer? <laughs> You don't think drug dealers need to go to jail. I want to see here your radio station. No, and I don't think any drug user should go to jail either. I mean, as long as you're a peaceful person. Drug users need to get fixed. Wouldn't you agree that, Ringo? I don't think they need to go to jail. I don't think drug Young users need to go to jail. Just get cured. Okay. All right. So, you, so we agree on so we agree on the part that drug users don't belong in jail. But the drug dealers, no, in many no. cases, are a lot of them are just users trying to cover their drug habit by selling to a few friends. No, a lot of them are drug dealers. That's what they do. They make money. That's okay. They it's it's all right to sell things to people that want want to buy them, isn't it? No, 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 no. It's different. Well, what if you? What now? Wait a minute. Now, liquor. Now, back in the day, a hundred, almost a hundred years ago, the liquor was made alcohol, rather, was made illegal, and uh, you know we and had. They were, cr- they were criminals. They're still criminals. Well, so do you think that alcohol should be prohibited again? Well, I think no. It's legal now. 
Well, right, I get it. It's legal now, and and, America, and heroin used to be legal. Congress and made it illegal. Made it legal. They That's made, why we have the Kennedys, millionaires, and all of that. Sure, the well, they realized they made the wrong decision okay, by so making it illegal. Millionaires, and they run in this country right now. <laughs> Ringo. Don't you think? Ringo. Yeah. They, they realized they made the wrong decision in the first place by making it illegal, so they made it, they made it right by making it legal again. And don't you think the same thing should happen with the other drugs? They made the wrong decision. There's all kinds of uh, violence. We and, can't and, go. We can't. Well, we know drugs are bad. We know liquor is bad. People go in the hospital, okay? Uh, liver conditions, you know. But and, don't, and don't all, you think the war life. on you drugs know, is worse? Eye. Come on, we got overdose on drugs and things like that. We know it's bad. Ringo, yeah, I agree with you. Drug abuse is a horrible personal problem. It's, but... it's available, right. It's available to you. But it's very, very damaging to you in the long run. It but, feels good. It's just like any sin. It feels good while you're doing it. But in the long run, it kills you. Well, okay? And, and that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like Go ahead. Well, Ringo, Julia uh, has something to say good. to you. Well, I, I was going to ask you what you thought about the fact that it uh, high school and middle school students say that it's easier for them to get their hands on illegal drugs than it is to get alcohol. Because you, you said that uh, you don't want them to be available, but they are available. Exactly. Ringo, do you want to answer her question? We can stick with you here if you want to stick with us. Yeah, we can, we can right. answer it. Hang on, Ringo. I want to come back with you here in a moment. Uh, apparently, we're not on WAOK, but I've talked to the program director in the past. I'll give him a call tomorrow and say hi. Uh, 855-450-FREE. You can take control even if you've completely gotten the wrong phone number. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Tombstone Pizza. With multiple varieties to choose from, there's a Tombstone Pizza that's sure to please your family. What do you want on your tombstone? Family dinner is important, but who says it has to be at the table? When life gets busy and the pressure is on, pull out the good paper plates and settle in for pizza and a movie. It's fun, easy, and memorable for the whole family. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live, the toll-free number for you to bring up what you want, 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Tonight, uh, here with you, it's Ian. And Julia. And uh, those features, by the way include uh, the AMP program. It's actually something that allows you to support the show. You can go and become an amplifier for as little as $3 per month. We'll take that money and reinvest it into Free Talk Live, getting on more radio stations, bringing more internet listeners on board, and uh, getting more people encountering the message of freedom. Because, well, that's, I think, really important. So go to amp.freetalklive.com and you can help us out there and get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, AMP-only uh, the Amp Only Forum, the Amp Only Podcast, and more. Once again, amp.freetalklive.com. As we bring on Ringo, he's back with us uh, listening on WAOK, or actually probably not actually listening to us on WAOK. 1380, but, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, there was a bit of uh, confusion because we're on, yeah. a net, we're on a radio. What happened, Ringo, is we're on a radio network that has different programs, and Rob Redding is one of those uh, shows. Oh. And uh, that's okay. the station WAOK picks up Rob's show. I don't think they pick up Free Talk Live, so I think you were listening to Rob's show. Right, I got your. Phone. I was listening to your phone number too. It's totally different. 
Yeah, somehow something got switched around. Anyway, you made a, you made it routed through to our board, and we're talking to you about drug prohibition because uh, what started the conversation was Michael Jackson's doctor being found guilty of what they call involuntary manslaughter, and and you you know we agreed on this position that, that this man should not be going to jail. I mean, it's Michael Jackson who's responsible for for Michael Jackson's actions. It's not the doctor's responsibility. I think it is the doctor. The doctor was acting somewhat as a pusher. He was a pusher man. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you thought that he shouldn't go to jail. I'm saying he's not fully responsible. Oh, he needed to go to jail and all the other doctors that was tending to Michael before that doctor got to him. You got to understand, this doctor got to him, I think, the last year he was on contract with him. What do you think should happen to him? Intoxicated or whatever. You know what I mean? You know, hooked on the drug when that doctor got him. Right. So you're saying you know this I mean? is one and doctor in a pinched. yeah. You're saying this is one doctor in a long line of doctors who are enabling Michael Jackson's habit. Exactly. So what do exactly. you think should happen, if anything, to this doctor? Um, I think he should get a combination of uh, probation and two years in jail and two years probation. All because he let Michael Jackson get his hands on some prescription meds? I mean, couldn't... Right. No, he was actually getting drugs for him. He mm-hmm. was using forged names of individuals to buy that drug for him. You understand? So, indirectly, it's involuntary manslaughter because he basically was... He didn't directly administer, but he was buying the drugs uh, for Michael Jackson. And that's why... Uh, he, 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 he complied with his death. Well, now he music performed it by not using his original name. So therefore, he knew it was wrong. So it's um, what you call a. Uh, uh, it was it was uh, predictable. He was uh, planned. It was pre-planned. Now, now, Ringo, uh, if you look back a, at other musical performers in the past, you know Jimi Hendrix. Uh, look at Elvis Presley. Right. Other people in the past, they've died of uh, all on drugs. Drug overdoses, yeah, and in some cases they uh, they weren't being prescribed things; they were just getting them through the black market. So musicians have a long history of uh, of drug abuse and uh, and death exactly. at the hands of uh, of their own you know their own drug habits. Right, but but you, we all know what Michael Michael was very private, tried to be private, and he paid for his privacy. And we all know that this guy was making a hundred and ten thousand dollars a month. Come on. I just don't think and, that uh, uh, I just don't think that having even the whole drug prescription thing should even exist. I think that uh, doctors shouldn't be able to prescribe anything, and that you should be able to just go to the the, the drugstore and buy whatever you want off the shelf. How do you feel about that? Uh, no, I don't think you should be able to buy anything off the shelf because there's a lot of different drugs out there. That can harm an individual. Well, yeah, but can I not even know about? Well, I can go and buy a bottle of aspirin, uh, Ringo, and I can harm myself with it. If you take too much of, you are right, right. Right. But you don't need more. Right. That we know we can drink a a coating cough syrup a lot to probably knock you out. But we don't need to fill the shelves up with more drugs. Many. Uh, detrimental drugs that are out there that are used by medical doctors and by hospitals. We don't need our shelves free access to 
all those type drugs. Ringo, point of, you know, hold on for one second. Hold that thought for a second. I just realized, uh, Julia, you'd asked Ringo a question before we went to break, and, uh, and we totally I spaced out, and I, I didn't get back to that. What right. was the question? Well, Ringo was talking about how he didn't want drugs to be available uh, or, you know, to be widely available. And I'd like to point out, Ringo, that I think that drug addiction is really horrible. Um, so I, I definitely agree with you on that point. Um, but you said that you didn't want them av- available. And so my question to you was, what do you think about the fact that it's easier for kids in school to get their hands on illegal drugs than alcohol? It's a sad thing. What, what I think, I think is that if they can, since I don't deal with that particular peer group, and they do have access to it as easy as they do, uh, it's a tragedy. It's just showing where, what direction our uh, country is going to. It shows the direction that that generation will be like when they do become older. They will probably look older. Their minds will be probably more distorted than ever because they're starting off on some serious drugs at a younger age. I hate to see their children and the generation that they will grow up in starting with those serious drugs. As you say, that they say they're doing those type things at that age. Uh, I'm afraid of the generation that's coming up after uh, we leave here. Well, I'd like to point out that... I I just like to point out that not all drug use is drug abuse. Like alcohol, there is a wide variety of usage. There are plenty of people who do use drugs responsibly. I think that I started using drugs when I was probably about 14 or 15. I've used my fair share. What kind of drugs do you use? What kind of drugs do you use? Well... Let me finish now. I'm I've I'm a twenty. I'm going to be twenty seven, and I my drug usage has really dropped off. I don't use a lot of drugs, but uh, as far as what drugs I have used in my teenage years, I really liked um, hallucinogenics like acid. I ate a lot of ecstasy. I smoked marijuana. Wow. I, I've never done um, the more like addictive drugs like heroin, coke, uh, meth. Those drugs didn't interest me. But but my drug use was really a very positive thing. And now that I've gotten older, I've sort of, you know, working in life is just generally takes priority. And I don't I don't have a lot of time for drug and alcohol use. And it really doesn't control my life at all. So I'm just I'm just curious what you think about that, because you seem to be under the impression that all drug use is bad. And I think that it can vary a lot. Yes, all drug use can be if you use it frequently and become addicted to it. It can be bad. I agree. Some people, uh, you know, uh, if you use it every day or depends on a type of drug, too, because you got some people do cocaine, spends up a lot of money, mess up their career. Boom. They're gone. They can't be get another job. They got a bad reputation. Can't get anything in their life. There's, there's no doubt that... It's very difficult for them. Ringo, there's, uh, there's no doubt that, that drug thing. use is uh, is a personal tragedy. But here's an interesting yeah. thing to, to consider is that because of the war on drugs, the price of those drugs goes up dramatically. You mentioned cocaine and people spending all kinds of money on it. Uh, well, it doesn't cost a lot to go to the store and get a bottle full of aspirin. And the reason why there's a huge price differential or, between... Or, or get the concoction to make mess. Mess. Well, that's a pretty dangerous process for the for the most part. Most people well, don't, they're doing it. Don't they are. You are right. 
but my but my point is the black market uh, dramatically increases the cost of these drugs, which which increases the crime that's associated with folks trying to get their hands on those drugs. And the black market also makes the drugs da- more dangerous because of impurities in the manufacturing process. You've got some meth head uh, manufacturing meth in their back uh, shed or something like that, uh, or in the basement, and that's uh, that's even you know that's dangerous to that person and to that person's family and surrounding uh, right. the, the neighborhood. If you take if you take drugs out of the hands of criminals and you put it back into the hands of businessmen, the drugs become safer, they get cheaper, and therefore you won't Are have you as many. Me? Hold on, Ring, Ringo, you won't have as many overdoses. And okay. like you're alcohol, right. you're right, and I agree. There has to be some control mechanism. But all drugs used recklessly, recklessly is bad. That much we can agree on, Ringo. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you, and uh, I appreciate your time. At eight five five, I liked Ringo. He was a good sport. Yeah, I thought so too. And uh, you know, people don't know; they don't realize all these things about prohibition. Maybe they heard about prohibition back in the day with alcohol, but some people just haven't made the connections. They haven't thought about it really enough. And once you start to really kind of put your mind to the issue of prohibition and, and drug prohibition, and you draw some parallels between today and what happened nearly a hundred years ago, because I think didn't origin the original prohibition start in nineteen seventeen. So we're coming with up. With heroin. Uh, I think with alcohol. Even, with alcohol. Oh, with alcohol, was, yes. I think it was 1917. So, I mean, we're coming up soon on the, you know, the 100-year anniversary. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our more than 100 radio stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. Talk Live. You can bring up anything that's on your mind as we launch here into the second hour of the program. The toll-free number for you, 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features on the site. They're completely free. Once again, freetalklive.com. Unlike those other talk show hosts who want to charge you five, six, seven bucks a month for their sites, we give ours away. So enjoy freetalklive.com. Tonight, it's Ian here. And Julia. And uh, we were talking about drugs a moment ago. Let's get a little bit further into this Michael Jackson story. And then, uh, Julia, you've got an interesting study uh, that you wanted to share with us. I do. Regarding uh, hallucinogenic drugs. And we'll talk about that in a moment here. But first, out of the New York Times in Los Angeles, Michael Jackson, among the most famous and beloved performers in pop music history, spent his final days in a sleep-deprived haze of medication and misery until finally succumbing to a fatal dose of potent drugs given to him by the private physician he'd hired to act as his personal pharmaceutical dispensary, according to a jury's decision earlier today. And this was, I guess, late this afternoon when this decision came in, because this piece was updated about an hour or so ago. 
The physician, Dr. Conrad Murray, was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter nearly two and a half years after the star's shocking death at age 50. The verdict came in after nearly 50 witnesses, 22 days of testimony, and less than two days of deliberation by a jury of seven men and five women. The trial had focused primarily on whether Dr. Murray was guilty of abdicating his duty or of acting with reckless criminal negligence directly causing his patient's death. He now faces up to four years in prison and the loss of his medical license. Judge Michael Pastor denied a defense request for bail for Dr. Murray and ordered him handcuffed and taken into immediate custody in the courtroom. So he is going to jail tonight. Jackson, uh, of course, uh, they go into some of his history where, you know, talk about, I mean, who doesn't know Michael? If you, don't, if you don't know Michael Jackson and the fact that he was incredibly popular and a huge best-selling albums, then I don't know where, what rock you've been living under. Um, Dr. Murray, a Houston cardiologist, was paid $150,000 per month to work as Jackson's personal physician as the singer rehearsed in Los Angeles for a series of sold-out concerts that he needed to pay off hundreds of millions of dollars in mounting debts. Testimony during the trial showed that Dr. Murray had stayed with Jackson at least six nights a week and was regularly asked and sometimes begged by the insomniac singer to give him drugs powerful enough to put him to sleep. Jackson, Dr. Murray told authorities, was especially eager to be administered propofol, a surgical anesthetic that put him to sleep when other powerful sedatives could not. Testimony indicated that propofol, in conjunction with other drugs in the singer's system, had played the key role in his death on June 25th of 2009. Now, I think it's The Machinist. There's a movie out there about sleep deprivation with a guy that looks strikingly like me, uh, Christian Bale in this particular movie. He got very skinny. The same guy that played Batman uh, got real skinny and kind of uh, anorexic looking. I'm not quite anorexic, but I'm not exactly a, a big guy. And uh, it's a creepy movie because I'm somebody who's had some experience with uh, sleep deprivation, and it's a really scary realm uh, in which to go into. It would seem to me that the problem... If you can't go to sleep, that trying to solve that problem with medication could be really dangerous. You know what? I forget where I saw this, but someone was pointing out that when you take things to basically make you pass out, um, like if something not as drastic as like a fire alarm goes off, um, but, you know, if something happens in the middle of the night, like noise occurs, you don't get up like you naturally would. And that's not Hmm. sleep. That's like. You've been knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference. I would say that sleeping pills are very unhealthy. You need to figure out a way to get healthy sleep. You need to work on your diet. There's all kinds of things that you can do to help you that are natural and healthy. Right. (laughs) Solve the issues. Don't make you pass out every night. Exactly. I mean, the pills aren't a solution in my in my opinion i realize there are some people that have uh certain chemical issues in their brain and like there's a strong argument that they need something balanced and that only diet pills can and exercise do that. would be my personal advice but i tend to agree with you julia i think that there's some sort of root issue i don't know what it is with you know michael jackson anxiety or, or um you know just poor diet i mean there's a number of things that could cause uh problems with sleep and i'm not a doctor but Me i neither. do know a lot about nutrition and I do believe that these uh, people in general just are are very eager to fix something with a pill rather than to get to the root of the issue. There's a reason why you're not sleeping well. Figure out what right. it is. Right. It may not be easy to figure that out, but uh, there is something there. And, and you're right. It could be something as simple as, simple as a dietary change. 
Yeah, uh, going to bed at the same time. I recently got a new job. I always had jobs where my schedule fluctuated, and I've mm-hmm. sleep has just been miserable for me. And I have a job now where I, it's a nine to five style job, and I go to bed at the same time every night, and I feel amazing. That's awesome. And how long have you been at this new job now? Two months. How how quickly did you notice a change? Well, I would say I noticed. I didn't notice. I noticed a little bit of a change, like the, uh, that the sleep was better. But I really noticed a major change when I changed my diet. I've drastically changed my diet recently. And the combination of the the regular sleep and the diet and not drinking alcohol is miraculous. Like, I sleep awesome. Mm. I have energy all day long. You know, and and you just can't do that with a pill. You need to figure out what's wrong. You need to figure out what's going to help you, not put a Band-Aid over it. And and when you start taking these pills, what, are you just going to take them for the rest of your life to sleep? It's just not healthy. healthy at all. So back to uh, the story here about uh, Jackson, Michael Jackson, his doctor found guilty of what they call involuntary manslaughter, facing four years in prison, was remanded to custody immediately, uh, denied bail. They tried to paint him as a money hungry physician, Dr. Murray, who would do things no reputable doctor would do, including improperly and recklessly administering an aesthetic anesthetic, rather normally given only in a hospital. The full uh, retinue of drugs given to Jackson while he was under Dr. Murray's care was so beyond normal practice, according to prosecutors, that it amounted to a pharmaceutical experiment. For its part, the defense tried to portray Jackson as a man so desperate to make his comeback concerts a success that he was willing to take wild chances and grew terrified that he would not be able to perform to his own exacting standards without more rest and less stress. Dr. Murray told investigators in 2009 he tried to close his eyes and nothing would work. He complained, I've got sleep, Dr. Conrad. I've got to sleep, rather, Dr. Conrad. I've got these rehearsals to perform. The morning that he died, Conrad told investigators during a recording played in the court that the singer told him, just make me sleep. It doesn't matter what happens. When Jackson died, he was in dire financial straits with more than $400 million in debts. And his concerts in London were intended to raise enough money to keep creditors at bay and restart his career. But since his death, his estate managed by his former lawyer and record executive with longtime ties to the family has prospered, generating more than $310 million and paying off most of the singer's debts. You have to wonder, how do they do it? How can you be so successful and end up $400 million in debt? You just... You really have to be bad with money. But you'd think you'd have enough people around who could advise you correctly. You'd think that for the amount of money that you are making, it wouldn't cost very much to hire a financial advisor who could – like even if you didn't know how to handle money because it's certainly possible that an actor or a musician just has all kinds of raw talent and they you know they make it big and, and they start getting all these big paychecks and they don't know what to do with this money and they've never had money like this before. And so they end up blowing it all on a, a brand new mansion or a bunch of cocaine or, or some poor business investment. But how hard would it be to just simply hire somebody to take care of that for you? To, to hire somebody to either do it for you or, or teach you how to handle the money. I mean, doesn't it wouldn't cost a fraction of what... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem that difficult. So, you know, they go on with some of the detail here. The estate has made enough money to distribute large checks to the beneficiaries named in his will. 
uh, and, and it goes on. Prosecutors sh- uh, sought to show that Dr. Murray veered significantly from acceptable medical practice at nearly every turn by administering the propofol, not having proper monitoring equipment, and failing to call 911 right away, among other things. They said that Dr. Murray did not keep any records of administering propofol, but had taken the time to record Jackson's voice on his iPhone. He didn't tell the paramedics who responded to the home about the propofol, which prosecutors said showed that he knew he was responsible for the singer's death. And just one day before the trial ended, Murray decided that he would not testify after all. Our number here, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. I think you should be free to take as many pills as you want to take. It's your body. You should be able to do it. That doesn't mean I support your decision to do it. I, I don't think that's a responsible thing to do. We're coming up. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Dial in toll-free, 855-450-FREE. That's the number brought to you by SACL CAI. And if you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, you need to know about SACL CAI because they do collections Early out billing and they purchase charged off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients too. SACL CAI. See their banner at the top of our banner column over at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. As we continue here, we will, of course, take your phone calls about what you want. Maybe you'd like to share your thoughts on the Michael Jackson case, or rather the case regarding his doctor, uh, Dr. Murray has been found guilty of involuntary manslaughter, has not yet been sentenced, uh, faces up to four years in prison, has been remanded to custody, meaning he's going to jail awaiting sentencing. They're not wanting to let him out on bail, probably for fear that they think he's going to run. And uh, according to the story in one of this is the New York Times, in one of the most dramatic moments in the trial, prosecutors played Dr. Murray's iPhone recordings of the rambling singer talking about his dream of building the world's largest children's hospital. Michael Jackson is heard saying in slurred speech, quote, I'm going to do that for them. That will be remembered more than my performances. My performances will be up there helping my children and always be my dream. I love them. I love them because I didn't have a childhood. I had no childhood. I feel their pain. When his voice trailed off, Dr. Murray waited several seconds before asking, You okay? After several more seconds, Jackson answered, I am asleep. And uh, so he was administered medicine by this doctor who was getting over $100,000 per month uh, to essentially be his personal pill dispensary. And the jury decided that that meant that this man should go to jail and i highly disagree i think that it would make sense for the doctor world the medical world to pull this guy's certification you know if they feel like he's done something that doctors aren't supposed to do which is what the testimony was that it would make sense for them to say all right well you can't be a doctor anymore you're not you're no longer in our club but to uh you know to come out and make this guy responsible for michael jackson and what michael jackson chose to do I don't think it's right. You know, it also seems kind of ironic. I I agree with pulling the doctor's certification if they're doing something inappropriate. But I would also say that if that's the case, there are a lot of doctors across the nation that should not be doctors that push pills. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Well, that's what doctors are supposed to do is push pills. Right. 
That's how they run their business, a lot of them. It is true. But, I mean, there have been some really horrible cases of um, psychiatrists, for example, giving, like, two-year-olds and four-year-olds bipolar medicine, and and they died. You know what I mean? Just getting these little, teeny, teeny kids pilled up until they die. And... These doctors. But nobody knows who they are, so well, they don't get the very, attention. Well, there. I mean, there have been some attempts at trying to get them in trouble, but there's some sort of thing that says that if you act like a doctor would act, then you're okay. Like as long as you didn't act unreasonable. And there are so many doctors giving, diagnosing, and giving out these pills that it's normal. So mm. it's not. You know what I mean? None of them have ever been been really i'm sure maybe one somewhere has but it's not common at all for these kind of doctors to lose their certification or i mean they just like business as usual even though they're like murdering children and so i would say that that needs to happen across the board this one guy shouldn't be singled out you mean that they should be de-doctorized across the board right i mean doctors who are killing children should be de-doctorized if this guy is killing michael jackson or whatever well right because in the case of children they don't get to choose right the child doesn't get to choose to pop the pill for the most part i mean if the child's young enough then uh, they're just doing what they're told by their parents uh whereas michael jackson made the choice to pop those pills he was the one who asked the doctor to the doctor enabled him to do it by giving him the prescriptions and, and acquiring them but Somebody would have done that. Well, that he was my point. Someone. The only reason I brought that up at all is just to point out that this guy is being singled out for what is a common practice, even mm-hmm. if it's not done in that exact way. Doctors give out pills, and sometimes it kills people. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's very bad. Sometimes it's with children. And these doctors, it's not a problem. But be- I think probably because Michael Jackson was such a high-profile guy, and you know he he was he received a lot of money. That's probably why this is being singled out. But, I mean, it just doesn't seem right to me. If if this guy is, is being held accountable, there's a lot of... And I don't think he should go to jail either. Right. But there's a lot of doctors that also need to be held accountable for essentially doing the same thing. And, and this guy's going to go to prison. Uh, I mean, there's four years in prison. And if you've ever paid attention to folks that have gone to jail or prison, then you know that all kinds of drugs are available in prison. Yeah. So... <laughs> If he wants to do drugs, I'm not saying the doctor wants to do drugs, but if he wants to do them or sell them, he'll be able to do that in prison. He can still still be hooking people up with drugs in prison, in theory. Prison doesn't change that. They can't keep drugs out of their prisons. They certainly can't keep them out of this country. And as long as we have people who want drugs, there will be people like Dr. Murray... And the people like the you know the drug uh, gangs down in Mexico and, and in this country that are going to do what it takes to get drugs into people's hands, and until people stop asking for drugs, that which nothing they never will, ever will. change. Well, of course not. Why? Um, because people like to get high, and they have for as long as civilization has existed. It's true. Whether or not you like it is not the issue, because you can't stop it. And I hope that people finally, you know, if there are drug warriors out there listening tonight i hope that you'll come to that realization someday that all of the money and the time and the lives that you've wasted and i don't just mean the police that have died in the line of duty in the war on drugs but the lives that you've wasted on the side of the, the prison population the jail population people's whose lives were already bad enough because of their drug addictions you made them worse by advocating they get thrown in jail you, those of you who are the politicians and the enforcers of this war on drugs and those of you who support the war on drugs you're the ones who are responsible for, for making these people's lives worse. 
I mean, if you have if you have a drug addiction and you go into jail and you don't have like a supportive family, because I mm-hmm. think that really plays a huge part in in drug reca- uh, drug recovery is is whether or not you have some support. Um, if you get out of jail, you have nothing. So what's to stop you from going right back to drugs? Now, I'm not saying that people who have something also don't want to go right back to drugs. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's drugs in the prison, so they continue using it. But if you take somebody who already has a lot of problems, you know, medical issues and psychological issues, um, and you take everything away from them and put them in a bad environment, do you really think that they're going to come out better off? I can tell you, I mean, having spent time in jail, thankfully never in prison, but uh, but having spent a couple months in a row in jail, you know, I met plenty of these guys and I heard their stories and I saw it happening. I saw guys getting released to nothing. You know, there was one guy in there that was there for, thankfully not for heroin or anything like that, but he had sold uh, crack in the past and presumably had used it as well. But this time around, he was busted for a half a pound of pot. And in the time that he had spent in jail, which was, I think, about a year, his uh, his wife had pretty much broken contact with him. So he couldn't rely on having her to go to when he got out. And his option was pretty much either go to like this halfway house place where it was a very kind of ultra-religious uh, environment and a religion that wasn't in agreement with his religion because he was a Muslim. Uh, it was like an ultra-Christian kind of place. So that made him feel kind of uncomfortable. It was either that or go to the homeless shelter. It's pretty poor options there. Yeah. 855-450-FREE. You can tell your story. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Thoughts on the war on drugs? Coming up, details about hallucination. Interesting scientific study. We'll explain in a moment. It's Free Talk Live. Are you a cigarette smoker? I was too for many years. You know that crap's going to kill you, right? There's a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Vaporsmiths.com. A pack a day smoker will save $120 a month and it tastes better. No more ashtray mouth. No smell. No secondhand smoke. You could use it just about anywhere. Free shipping on orders over $60 and a free starter kit with the purchase of 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Call 855 to get vapor or go to vaporsmiths.com. You can take control of these airwaves and dial in toll-free at 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733 here with you. It's Ian. And Julia. Inviting you to our website over at freetalklive.com. That's where you'll find a variety of different things, of various features, including our webcam. You can watch, you can listen, you can interact. The uh, the cam's there on the same page as the chat room. So you can go and talk with other Free Talk Live listeners during the show or any old time if there's somebody in there over at uh, cam.freetalklive.com. Once again, that's cam.freetalklive.com. Bitcoins. We've been talking about them a lot on this program, and that's because they're pretty amazing. They're the world's first free market peer-to-peer digital cash, and they can be used anywhere in the world. You don't have to ask anybody's permission. You don't have to open a bank account. You don't have to jump through any, uh, you know, any hoops that some big corporation puts up for you. And they can't be counterfeited, by the way, or inflated. And you can buy them now with credit card or PayPal, thanks to memory dealers. They're offering physical bitcoins you can actually hold in your hands. And uh, those, are, of course, can also be transferred back in a digital form at any time. They make great conversation starters and Christmas gifts. You can be part of the currency that's transforming the world at memorydealers.com. You can buy your bitcoins at memorydealers.com. 
855-450-FREE is the number here. We've been talking about uh, drugs, prescription drugs specifically in the case of uh, Michael Jackson and the fact that uh, Michael Jackson was apparently going through a lot of trouble. He had some serious debts, had you know the court cases in the past, and uh, who knows what else was, was going on in his life. But he wasn't sleeping, and he thought the solution lo- uh, lied in prescription medication. Hired a doctor, paid him a whole lot of money to basically prescribe him whatever, and uh, took this, uh, I forget what it was called, propofol. Uh, took that, among other things, and ended up overdosing and uh, dying. He was trying, just trying to go to sleep. And it's just so sad to, to hear that story. I but feel I don't like, think the doctor should go to jail. No, I don't think he should either. But I feel like to overdose, I mean, you have to take a decent amount, right? Like well, he wasn't knows? just taking one a night if he's overdosing, unless it was just a, a bad drug It could reaction. be a very strong drug, too. I, mean, yeah. I don't know much about propofol. I don't either. But there's other drugs out there. Of course, the illegal drug world, we're just in Jackson's case, we're just prescription drugs. Uh, but the illegal drug world also has some uh, some drugs that uh, people take irresponsibly. And uh, had we actually, if we didn't have uh, prohibition, then maybe they would take them more responsibly because maybe they would get better information about them. Maybe doctors would be able to prescribe them, for instance, or or give advice about them, whereas now a doctor is prohibited in most places from suggesting illegal drugs. You know, I'd like to point out how dangerous that is, too, because I'm not sure if we ever talked about this on the air and we don't need to go into the details, but there was a time when we had to take you to the hospital. Am I allowed to say this? Yeah, sure. Okay, sure. we had to take Ian to the hospital for, uh, we had actually done MDMA and acid the day before, but Ian didn't sleep and so he stayed up for many days like six days or four days or whatever and as he continued to be sleep deprived he got crazier and crazier i did some really embarrassing things (laughs) right so we don't i wasn't telling that to uh to embarrass you or to delve into that story but the reason i brought it up is when we went to the doctor i had to tell the cops and the doctor like what what we had taken and and the doctor kept saying to me, MDMA, I, I don't know what that is, right? <laughs> and in the report that he gave back, he wrote in quotes, like, she claims that they took MVMA. So he didn't, he didn't even... even know the medical, like, scientific name of ecstasy. Like, I had to and say. And this is the doctor who's in the division doctor, of the hospital that handles right. this Right. And stuff. this doctor looks me in the eye and starts giving me advice. And all I could think is, excuse me. Like you don't even know the name. I know a hundred times more about this drug than you. How could hmm. you? How dare you give me advice? And I think that's dangerous. Doctors, you know, the, pretending like they know something and when they don't, uh, and mean? just not knowing anything. Because whenever you talk like about drug problems, like people will often say, like, "Well, ask your doctor." But can you really trust your doctor? I would say that largely with illegal drugs, your doctor doesn't know what he's talking about. You'd be better off doing your own research. Yeah. I mean, you'd be better off going Maybe to arrowid.org. you could get a doctor who knew something about marijuana. But you're not going to find your average primary care physicians that know no. a lot about MDMA, LSD. And if you're having a real problem with these drugs, like, you know, in your case, I want that doctor who you paid a lot of money, by the way, out of your pocket because you didn't have insurance. Mm -hmm. I want that doctor to know something about those drugs. And they just don't. 
Yeah, that was really an amazing, uh, shocking part of the story after the fact. I've heard other stories like that, too, where people went on drugs and the doctors didn't know anything about the drugs. I was reading Mm. a a trip report on Arrowhead for for Foxy, which is 5-MeO-DIPT. And the kid went to the hospital and that he was because he was concerned about his health. He was having a really bad trip and, he, you mm. know, he thought he was in danger and he was telling them what drugs he was taking and they, they couldn't help him. They didn't know anything about the drugs. And I just I don't think that that is good. I, you know, the fact that they're illegal, people don't like to talk about them. It's not required or you know what i mean it doesn't matter if you know anything about them but doctors should know stuff about them it's important well they're right they didn't have to learn about that in detail to become a a general practitioner they're dealing with people with coughs and fevers right uh, whatever else but these are people in the mental health unit of a hospital and they should know something about drugs especially if they're dealing with people that are on on them right and i mean people come into the hospital all the time because of illegal drugs so i'm sorry but it's crazy to me that that the majority of these doctors just don't know what they're talking about when it comes to illegal drugs it's dangerous yep and uh, and you know in my story it was really the sleep deprivation that uh, that was i think the biggest factor yeah, I'd never seen anything like it. It was crazy. I have done my share of of MDMA and LSD, and it was like a day later, and you just stayed up, and you kept staying up, and the longer you stayed up, you went absolutely insane. It was something else. It's scary stuff. I mean, if you read about sleep deprivation, there's uh, you can only make it so long before you start having hallucinations. Yes. And uh, it's like a, a whole other world. I mean, for me, it was... It was a uh, a changing experience for me. I mean, it was. I think it was an important experience because I, you know I learned some important lessons. A lot of them I don't re- recall, and I right. haven't told them after the fact. Uh, but you know, it almost was a turning point for me. Yeah. In, in my life, and I think it was a turning point for for the better. I mean, I became more focused on um, you know, spirituality and things like that afterwards than than I ever was uh, before. And for me, I think that's been a good thing. Yeah. But I, at the time, it was it was hor- yeah, absolutely horrifying. It was horrible for everyone else. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> for me, what it was, it was like horrifying. for you. <laughs> for me, it was horrifying at some points. And at other points, it was just like in another, I was like in a video game or something like that. It was crazy. Yeah. I've started seeing hallucinations as early as staying up uh, for like 40 hours. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I've stayed up 40 hours toward the end. Just like little shadows or something well, like that? Well, at you... first I started, I, the last time I did this, I like went to a party and I stayed up all night and then I just decided to stay up the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. And and in the middle of the day, the next day I started seeing like the shadows and things and, and I was alone. It was kind of dark and like, you know, I would see it and be like, because <gasps> I, I would just like think someone was there even though they weren't because I would just see kind of shadows and then towards the end of the day, I started actually seeing like, halluc- like m- very mild, but hallucinations. And when I turned off the lights to go to bed, the like it went inc- insane. I mean, I was just seeing I open closed eyes didn't matter. I was seeing like lights and I it was oh really goodness. uncomfortable, actually, and because you, you just want to sleep? sleep. You don't want to. Yeah. Like right before I went to bed, like you uh, I don't mind hallucinating if I've chosen to take drugs and I the, the you know I would like to hallucinate but I do not like hallucinating when I want to go to bed and But I even now as you sleep. were saying you're kind of you're kind of done with the whole hallucinogenic drug thing, right? I'm iffy. I've yeah. had a couple of bad experiences, so not bad like bad trip exactly, but just 
I've done them in uncomfortable circumstances when I really shouldn't have done them. And, and I know better, but I, I broke my rule. And it's just the last two times I've done a hallucinogenic drug, which were a year apart, were not that pleasant. So I'm kind of, if I had the right drugs at the right moment. 855-450-FREE. Uh, not ad- advising people go out and uh, jump into this world because it can be scary. And it, it is something you need to know something about, whether you're a doctor or not. If you're considering doing any kind of hallucinogenic drugs or any drugs whatsoever, take your time. Research them. Don't just take the doctor's word for it. Go out and do your own research. Get a second opinion. Go to arrowid.org if it's uh, if it's an illegal drug you're looking at or even pharmaceuticals. They've got them there, too. E-R-O-W-I-D.org. More when you're planning your move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, consider Keen. Civil disobedience, politics, media, outreach, and social events. Keen has it all. Get connected with video, audio, our forum, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. The toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. And with you tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. We continue here. Uh, You can bring up whatever you want. Julia, you're going to share some interesting news. We've been talking about uh, drug use and uh, various different aspects of it. I mean, from one side, the pharmaceutical side of uh, Michael Jackson and overdosing and the fact that he should be responsible for his actions, not the doctor who was was acquiring uh, the pills for him. Uh, But aside from that, kind of talking about drug prohibition, sleep deprivation as well. It's a really dangerous hallucinogenic. You want to talk about some of the most severe, natural, uh, naturally occurring uh, hallucinations, just try not sleeping for a while. Well, actually, I don't recommend that at all. Uh, but if you were to try that, you would possibly experience some amazing and possibly horrifying uh, I think that the longest a person has stayed awake is 16 days as part of a science experiment. Wow. And uh, my understanding is it got pretty ugly. <laughs> I, how could you stay awake for 16 days? I feel like I would I just fall to know. the ground asleep. Yeah, I don't know how you would Your do that. brain just must go on like emergency l- mode. You know what I mean? Like, please survive. It, yeah, it sounds just horrible. Uh, so we've been talking about that and how in re- the real world, we understand that people are going to use drugs because humans and other animals as well are interested in uh in altering their states of consciousness. They've been doing it for a long time. They'll continue to do it on into the future, no matter what kind of laws are passed and no matter what level of enforcement those laws have. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to take uh, what they call a harm reduction approach when it comes to these things and accept the idea that people and young people are going to use drugs and to do whatever can be done to allow them to do those drugs in as safe a manner as possible with as much information as they can possibly get hold of so that it lessens the likelihood of uh, you know an overdose or some sort of a dangerous bad experience. And uh, this is where information comes into play. And as you were pointing out, Julia, you can't really trust a doctor to give you the right information. So, no. or or even any anything close to accurate information, depending on who you talk to. You could maybe get lucky with like a neurologist, but it. I would say it's rare. I would say your average mental health doctor, they know the very basics, and it's you know it's the basics um, from the drugs are bad perspective. And and that's it. They are not going to be able to help you if you're on any. And research chemicals are so popular these days 
that uh, to be in the dark about stuff like that just seems dangerous. Well, the thing is that viewpoint of drugs are bad is not accurate. I mean, no. when you look at uh, like MDMA, for instance, uh, it has been used recently. And there's actually an article from Oprah that I have pulled up here. But just to recall from one of the uh, the stories we talked about in the past that MDA and MDMA has been used to cure post-traumatic stress disorder. I would say cure that it. all drugs are neither good or bad. They're not, you know, they don't have morals. They don't, no. they just exist and it depends on how people use them. Right, it Food depends on the application. can be bad or good. There's all kinds of things in this world that, that fall into that category. Well, it's like our caller was saying earlier that uh, that something that is abused could be really bad, but something used in moderation, used responsibly, on the other hand, could be different. For you, you said that many of your drug experiences were overall was a very positive oh, yeah. experience. You had some I've bad never, ones in there. I've never had a, like a, bad, a real bad trip. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone having a real bad trip, but that has never happened to me. So the toll-free number here tonight, 855-450-FREE. By the way, if you're looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear, check out manventureoutpost.com. They've got knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. Manventureoutpost.com. Family-owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. Some prices are so low, they can't even be mentioned on the air. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. And get it quick from manventureoutpost.com. We go to the phones, to the fun. I uh, spaced out, should have written down your name. Who is this? Matt. I'm sorry, say again? Matt. I, oh, Matt. Okay, your, your line was breaking up a little bit there. Matt, go ahead with your thoughts. Hey guys, um, yeah, recently uh, I got a ticket that uh, just, it's far and away the craziest ticket I've ever gotten and it's one I've never even heard of before. Um, I was uh, coming back from Canada and um, about uh, 20 miles south of the border, uh, there's a uh, speed trap and this was pretty late at night, so there weren't many cars around. And um, I was going about 10 over and uh, so I saw a cop and I slammed on the brakes, but since no one else was around, he pulled out and he pulled me over. Um, and I had recently gotten uh, another crazy ticket, which was for bicycling through a red light. But um, and in that that case, um, I hadn't talked to the officer, and he gave me a ticket. So I figured this time maybe if I talked to the officer, he he would be more merciful. So he came up to the car. He said um, you were speeding back there, and I I said I was um, just trying to keep pace with the traffic. And he asked if I knew how fast I was going. I said just a couple miles. We're just keeping pace with the traffic, and. Uh, then he asked for my license and registration, and I gave it to him. And um, I've been living out here for about a year, but I still had a license from my home state. Um, and when he saw that, he said, uh, how long have you been living out here? And when he asked that question, I had a feeling something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. So I tried to give a vague answer. I said, just like a little bit over a year. And, um, you know, I figured Oops. maybe I could say like a while, but he had my car's uh, title on there, which is registered recently in Washington, so I couldn't really do that. So he said, um, well, do you know it's a criminal offense to not get Washington driver's license within 30 days of moving to the state? Mm-hmm. I said, no, I've never heard of that, actually. And um, he said that it was, and he walked back to his cruiser, and uh, I just waited to see what happened. It took him about 10 minutes, and I had a feeling it wasn't going to be good. And he walked up and said that uh, he wasn't going to give me uh, the speeding ticket, um, but he was holding a clipboard, and at the bottom of it I could see a number that I couldn't believe. And then he explained to me that he was giving me a ticket for failing to get a Washington driver's license in a timely manner. Hmm. And the fine for the ticket is $550. Whoa. Yikes. And the license licenses cost $45 here. Wow. 
Well, yeah. so, so so the lesson learned there uh, for anybody that uh, is new to being pulled over and, and how to handle these situations is keep your mouth shut. Uh, one of the things that I did when I was uh, – remember, uh, Julia, when the, the cop uh, – I was rescuing you after an unfortunate accident and uh, we had pulled over, could have kind of waited on the side of the road hoping the cop would go away because I had a, a private plate on the back of my car at that point. When the cop came uh, actually down the street by total chance just to check on us, uh, he saw the private plate, put on his blue lights, got out and started you know the process of ticketing me for for not having a – improperly registered vehicle or something like that i forget what it, what the exact yeah. charge was but i answered too many of his questions uh he asked he asked questions and i answered them and i should i shouldn't have I, I have no obligation to answer his questions whatsoever when as i understand it i'm not a lawyer so this isn't legal advice but when you get pulled over if you're the driver then your only obligation is to provide the you know the license the registration and proof of insurance if that's required in 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 your state and that's it you don't have to answer any of their questions and they they want to ask you a bunch of questions so they can trap you into basically admitting guilt for some other crime so they can ticket you for that which is exactly what happened to you yeah yeah but um i was just wondering um what you guys think i can do at this point i mean you know, I I recently had uh, contacted uh, the uh, bike officer, and he didn't say anything about my license. He'd, he'd seen it. I recently got a license plate. They'd seen it and had some, had and had to and had to nothing about it. So I'm just just wondering what do you think I can do? You know, like in terms of the courtroom, like if there's like some motions I can file that would be helpful or what? Well, okay, so you're being charged with the the horrible crime of not registering not registering your car or not getting a license. Which which one? Uh, not getting a license because the car is registered. The car was taken care of. It's just just a license, and and the license I had was valid through 2014. So it, it's not a question of the license being expired. So your car is registered in Washington State, but the license is from another state. Right. Okay. And uh, and this is is this a misdemeanor? Um, it's just a ticket. So I yeah, I mean, I would assume it is. Um, Okay, well, one, before you yeah. go any further assuming anything, you should probably go ahead and pull up the whatever the statute is that, that authorizes this particular ticket and get some indicator of, of whether or not you're dealing with a misdemeanor crime. Now, I don't know what the, the status or the system, rather, is like in Washington state. Each state has different, you know, somewhat, somewhat of a different system. They all have similar aspects to them. But, uh, you know, here in New Hampshire, there's misdemeanors, there's violations, there's felonies. A violation is less serious than a misdemeanor, is less serious than a felony. And within the misdemeanor class, there are different classes. There's class A, class B. Class A, you get a jury trial if you want one. So what you want to find out is what are the requirements there in Washington State to get a jury trial for something? Because in a lot of cases, you won't get a jury trial on most traffic tickets in most places. But you never know. And unless you do the research to figure these things out, uh, it would it would be useful to know if you actually could get a jury trial because then you could tie up the court system more so than with the average, say, bench trial with just a, a man in a robe. And if you want, you can stick with us. We can talk more about some things to do in court here in a little bit. But certainly uh, doing some research is going to be helpful in advance. And I know it sucks trying to read their laws and read their rules. It's awful. So we're coming up. 855-450-FREE. You can take control. Share your experience if you want with the cops and courts. It's Free Talk Live. 
You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program. Still time for you to take control of the airwaves and bring up anything that's on your mind at 855-450-FREE. 1-855-450-3733. Here with you tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. Uh, So we continue here with the discussion that kind of started with actually a random call uh, about uh, Michael Jackson, the doctor in his case, being found guilty of uh, what they say is involuntary manslaughter, being sentenced, uh, not quite yet, but possibly looking at four years in prison as a result of that. And I said, let all the drug dealers out. Let uh, let all the drug users out. These people are not violent, unless they were violent. I mean, if they, they actually did violence, then... Then the issue is violence. Yeah, then, then that should be dealt with. And the victims of that violence should be restituted, and they should be made as whole as possible. But if all the person did was sell some pot or sell some, some other drug or, or buy the drug and use it, you got no victim there. Uh, that's a consensual activity between adults, and those people should be able to make those choices. Well, and I'd like to point out that you're not advocating things staying the way they are and drug dealers not going to jail. Right. We here support drugs to be basically prohibition to be lifted and like alcohol prohibition when that was going on it was put in the hands of criminals a lot of people died because there was a lot of money to be made and if you were to do the same thing with drugs it would be a situation similar to alcohol where addicts could afford it and be functional um so i I just wanted to point that out because to just say well you know, dealers shouldn't go to jail. People have this image in their head of drug dealers because they can be very violent and they don't want them roaming the streets. So we don't either. Good point. And I'm glad you clarified that. So yeah, having total drug decriminalization would be nice. I'd accept legalization as well. It'd be better than what we currently have. Right. Uh, Of course, the difference being legalization creates a regulatory structure, like a taxation structure. It would still be safer. A lot. It would be safe like alcohol is. And decriminalization would just simply take the drugs out of the criminal world. It would just make it so it's a free market in, in drugs. That's the way things should be, including the, uh, the the pharmaceutical market. Those should also have their semi-prohibition or their controlled status repealed. And people should be able to buy what they want, when they want, and how they want it, and be responsible for the decisions that they make uh, with their own body. Now, I was I was just going to say that you're not stopping drug addicts from being drug addicts because it's illegal or illegal. I, no, I once at, at the Liberty Forum, actually, the first one I saw Jack Cole speak from and law enforcement. That's against correct. And it was awesome. Like, I loved his speech. And, and I actually sat at his table and he was a nice guy. And mm. um, but he said that, you know, in 1900, before all drugs were made illegal, um, there was a three percent of the population was addicted to drugs and today three percent of the population is addicted to drugs so this drug prohibition has not done a thing to deter drug use 
Um, I often hear people talk about how drug use is more rampant today, and I don't I don't believe that's true. I think that people are probably a little more open about it. Mm, yeah. Information's I, more available. Exactly. Uh, there are more drugs. Because of the war on drugs, more drugs exist. Um, and drug use fr- fluctuates in the various drugs. You know what I mean? Like PCP use right now is is down. It's it's not up. And and uh, LSD use is is kind of down. So while others may be more a little more popular at the time, you know, in general, I do not believe that drugs are being used more today than they were back then. Now, of course, in the uh, if we actually had drug legalization and or decriminalization, then we could have more studies done on those drugs. Right. Very few studies are done today because in order to do a study on an illegal drug, you have to get the permission of the DEA and I think FDA as well, but uh, d- definitely the DEA. And that's no easy task. I mean, getting the DEA to allow any kind of medical study on one of their prohibited uh, products is like you know it's very difficult because that would be them acknowledging that there could be some kind of medical benefit to these drugs which they have basically said have no medical benefit and of course the more studies that we've seen on things like marijuana and other drugs the more medical benefits become apparent and not just studies done here in the u.s but worldwide studies have been done that have just been amazing and there have been some recent ones on uh, mdma which as you mentioned earlier is commonly known on the street as ecstasy uh there's actually a piece here over at oprah.com which is a really long thing uh long article I'm not, we're not going to read the whole thing but just to give you a taste for what what this is all about and some of the the amazing changes that can happen in a person's life with whatever problems they might have because of the therapeutic use of a drug like MDMA is striking. So the story over at Oprah.com, Sarah lived in a basement for a few weeks when she was a child, but in a way she lived there much of her life. Her father terrorized their family. He hit her, threw hot coffee at her, locked her in closets. Once he held a gun to her sister's head. The winter Sarah was 11, she brought the wrong wood for the fireplace, so her father locked her in the family's unfinished concrete basement. Her meals were brought to the top of the stairs. It was a freezing Christmas in Pennsylvania more than 30 years ago. I've been in my basement before during the wintertime, and it sucks down there. It's very cold. Sarah eventually left home for college, earned a master's degree in education, and had a son. Surprisingly, she stayed in close contact with her parents, but the sound of a door clicking shut made her heart pound. If her dog barked, electric sparks shot through her limbs. At a party, she'd struggle to follow the conversation. The room would spin and the lights would smear. Her ears rang with blurring voices. She slept badly and always with the windows open and the doors unlocked. I couldn't stand to feel trapped, she explains. She was often irritable or paranoid, short-fused, consumed with self-loathing. Sarah's nervous system was stuck in the amber of childhood when her psyche had been conditioned for chronic danger. Decades after leaving her father's house, her mind and body remained on 24-7 high alert, poised to duck a flying fist or slip through a closing door. She was in her early 30s before she received the formal diagnosis, post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD. It's pretty serious stuff. She attended counseling sessions with a social worker. Self-medicated with food, exercise, and alcohol. Chain-smoked. She did group therapy and Alcoholics Anonymous, Paxil, Kundalini, and, oh, excuse me, and Kundalini Yoga. I thought it was a pill for a second there. A psychiatrist sent her to a crime victims unit where she tried prolonged exposure therapy, a highly successful treatment for PTSD that requires patients to describe traumatic events again and again in acute detail, staring down a terrifying ordeal until it retreats safely into the past. 
After a handful of sessions, Sarah dropped out. She said, I was totally resistant. I was obnoxious. She admits, I remember playing with a Play-Doh in the psychiatrist's office thinking, I'm smarter than you. Her bad attitude, she realizes today, was a defense mechanism, bravado masking fear of her own memories. At the start of 2005, after a break-in at her home, Sarah's PTSD symptoms, the nightmares, sleeplessness, and hypervigilance, were worse than ever. She was a single mom, and she agonized over how her disorder might be affecting her toddler son. Then a friend told her that a researcher was recruiting subjects for a small pilot study of a promising new drug treatment for PTSD. Sarah was intrigued and hopeful. She was also apprehensive. The drug in question was MDMA, or 3,4-methylene-dioxymethamphetamine. That's correct. Which Sarah knew to be the active ingredient in the street drug ecstasy. And everybody's heard all kinds of scary stuff about Always that. Always in the brain. Right, which of course is nonsense. No, that is not true. In fact, there is the uh, the old ABC News report from the turn of the, the century with Peter Jennings, I Ecstasy think. Rising. Ecstasy Rising, which actually shows that that study was just messed up. They admitted it was messed up, but the, uh, the, they, recall, or they took back their study and admitted uh, without even being caught that it, I don't know if someone was on to them, but they, they had uh, submitted uh, methamphetamine instead of MDMA, but the damage had already been done. We're going to go back to Sarah's story here in a moment about her uh, taking the MDMA as a therapeutic thing. Uh, but first, let's talk to Joe listening in Kalispell, Montana, to XM Satellite Radio on America's Talk. Hey, Joe. Hey, how you doing? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, I was listening to you talk about how you can't control judges in the courts. Okay. Um, no, well, the Constitution, as far as the Supreme Court says, they don't have the power to judge, their only power is to judge whether a law is constitutional or not, not whether it's good or bad. Um, and then at the state level, well, the states only have the power to judge whether a state law is good or bad, then you can take it to the next step. Right, so, so but the point so I was forth. making, and I'll let you come back here in a moment if you'd like, the point I was making is that if you pass a law trying to control the judges, they'll just dis- declare it unconstitutional. More coming up, Free Talk Live. My name is Jacob Hornberger. I'm president of the Future of Freedom Foundation, which Congressman Ron Paul awarded for having an outstanding freedom website. Write us at fff at fff.org, and we'll send you a free three-month subscription to our monthly journal of libertarian essays and our booklet, Economic Liberty in the Constitution, which George Mason University economics professor Walter Williams praised in a recent column. That's fff at fff.org. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want. Toll-free number 855-450-FREE. That's 1-855-450-3733. Here with you tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. We invite you to the website at freetalklive.com. We give you features there completely free. And those features include the mobile site. So if you've got a smartphone, you want quick access to our live streams and podcast, just go to m, as in mobile.freetalklive.com. That's m.freetalklive.com. Now, I want to tell you about the Dragon Claw. You can find out more about it at airgun.freetalklive.com, but it is incredible. I mean, it's a 50 caliber air rifle. So, not a firearm in the classic sense, in that it doesn't use bullets. It's an air rifle. But this sucker can bring down a deer 
And it's from Pyramid Air. In fact, you can see some pretty amazing video footage on their website at airgun.freetalklive.com. Pyramid Air is the world's largest online airgun retailer. And they've been in business since 1993 with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Their experts can help you find the best air gun for your needs, even over the phone. You can get 10% off with free shipping, whichever is more. Or excuse me, 10% off or free shipping, whichever is more, with coupon code FTL11, FTL11. So go and see the Dragon Claw and all their other great products over at airgun.freetalklive.com. Some amazing air guns and accessories that they have there. That's airgun.freetalklive.com. As we continue with Joe listening in Kalispell. Joe, you were calling uh, in reference to the conversation we had earlier tonight because you're listening on XM, so you hear things a couple hours later. Uh, you were talking about the the conversation I was having with uh, Julia here about having some way of legislatively holding the justice system accountable or trying to to change the justice system. It just seems very, very difficult. And the point I was making was that if you were to pass a law that affected them, they could just simply throw it out and deem it unconstitutional. Well, that comes to a point. Like, yes, if you pass a regular law and at the state level, you could, pop, you could pass a constitutional state law or a state constitutional law that says, look, this is what it is, and it's the state constitution, and the judge doesn't have an opinion on it then, because when you get the state constitution together, that's the law. And on the federal level, you you could do the same thing, saying this is... This is like the, the 28th Amendment to the Constitution. Well, right. You'd have to amend the Constitution is pretty much the only answer. Well, that's it. And it's, it's simple and hard at the same time. I'm not saying it would be easy in the sense that, you know, try to get two politicians to agree well, on right. something. They made it. They made uh, amending constitutions to be very difficult. And, uh, you know, I guess there are good reasons for that, in theory, at least if you and, look at the theory well, of the system. Well, the whole thing was to make the process slow, so it's never a need. It, it, it's remember we're a republic, not a democracy. We don't want everything to be knee-jerk reactions. We want it to be painfully slow, just to make sure we all know what we're talking about. Well, unfortunately, the slowness makes it painful to undo some real damaging things, like prohibition, oh, like we were I, talking about before. Uh, oh, I agree. But now, in a, and at the same time. We're, it's been two generations since Prohibition, and we're forgetting it. And that's the reason why we're having the cigarette pro- cigarette smoking problem. Mm. We're having it, it just it's grindingly slow. But you know, I, I, and let, it's like Roe versus White. And they, uh, wait, I'm not saying right or wrong, but the the Constitution they were right in the sense that the federal Constitution doesn't provide to say yes, uh, uh, abortion's illegal. But at the same time, they didn't have the right to tell states they can't mandate it either because it's not part of the federal jurisdiction. It's states' rights issue. So they could say, like, this decision, that decision, this decision, that decision's wrong, and put this in an amendment, and then also say part of that amendment. You can make three or four amendments, and they can all be judged equally. I get where you're coming from, Joe. I'm not for abortion, and like I said, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just saying the actual constitutional argument. Yep, I see where you're coming from. So, uh, was there anything else you wanted to share tonight? Oh, no, that's it. All right, man. Uh, and, and all right, have a good night. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Eight five five four fifty free. So we were talking about this young lady. There's a piece over at Oprah dot com uh, called PTSD and MDMA therapy, and we've talked about this PTSD thing in the past. And I think it's really amazing. Uh, this is a really kind of a detailed story 
uh, about this. This is nine pages. We're only going to be able to give you a few excerpts here. But we were talking about a young lady who was abused by her father growing up, locked in the basement during the wintertime, uh, you know, starved, locked in closets, just treated horribly, beaten. And, uh, you know, that her lifestyle of just kind of living as a, a cowering little girl kind of became her adulthood. And, and she developed PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and tried all manner of different uh, therapy. It didn't work. So she tried pills. She tried uh, – what was it? Regression – not regression therapy, but there was a, a therapy that – uh, that, Where oh. they forced them to uh, look at talk, talk about every single uh, ish detail of like what happened, which to me seems like it might be slightly traumatizing. Prolonged exposure therapy is what uh, is what that's called. And then a friend of hers told her that she knew about a study that uh, she wanted to get her involved with that had to do with MDMA, which is the active ingredient in what is called ecstasy on the street. Now, back to the Oprah piece here. uh, To a layperson, the notion of using a drug like ecstasy as a therapeutic tool for healing trauma might make as much sense as adding cocaine to a diabetic's weight loss regimen. Ecstasy was the signature stimulant fueling a worldwide party culture in the 80s and 90s Epitomized by massive all-night dance raves crammed with thousands of, excuse me, crammed with blissed-out revelers and pulsating electronic music at festivals and exuberant warehouses. Not just in the 80s and 90s, my friend. They're still going. Yes. Uh, Across the North America and Europe, by the turn of the century, ecstasy and tablets frequently laced with methamphetamine, tranquilizers, or PCP, and sometimes containing a little actual MDMA, had spread from the cavernous clubs of Manchester and Toronto to mainstream hip-hop culture. Missy Elliott named an album after it. Eminem boasted about writing songs under its influence. And more recently, Jay-Z gave it a cameo in his anthem, Empire State of Mind. The quote, MDMA got you feeling like a champion, unquote. For ravers and rappers, E stood for euphoria, energy, empathy, escape. It was the hug drug, the love drug. For worried parents, parents and government officials, however, ecstasy equaled psychedelic mayhem as reports and rumors swirled that it could cause nervous breakdowns memory loss parkinson's disease and even death what's uh, your experience with it julia Did, well i think if you've been listening to the show or you know me personally i love ecstasy it's my favorite drug i have used it hundreds of times i could not count um and it it was. I started using it when I was a teenager, and I had actually just gone through a really bad experience. I was expelled from school, and my parents had moved me across the country without telling me, kind of to get get me away from things. My parents said, "Well, you know, we want you to take a break. We're gonna on spring break. You're gonna go to Florida." And I had lived in Idaho, and my parents never let me return. And I was a 16 year old kid. Like that's really traumatizing. All you know is your school and your friends, and so to be taken away from all of that and just be alone. You know, I felt felt really alone and i got really immersed i had been kind of i'm dabbling in raves but i'd never done ecstasy and it just opened up an entire new world for me it was a very positive experience and i just i love it i think it's one of the greatest experiences life has to offer and if you have not tried it i would recommend you research and give it a try if you think it's something you'd like well, it's the really tricky amazing thing is, is getting your hands on it right because as we've been talking about the black market as is mentioned here in the Oprah piece, if you're going to a club and picking up something someone's claiming is ecstasy, you I would have not recommend no it. idea what you're getting your hands on. Unless you actually have a testing kit and actually want to go through the motions to, to really find out what it is that you purchased. So be real careful out there. Uh, there's more coming up here about MDMA and PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. In moments, your thoughts as well are welcome. Free talk live. 
Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything here toll-free, 855-450-FREE. The number brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-855-450-3733. Here tonight, it's Ian. And Julia. We invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. You can go there, enjoy the features on the site for free. We've got a bulletin board system that has been retooled. Uh, it is now a more moderated place, so it should be a more friendly place for for people to go. Uh, hopefully, you've, uh, if you haven't been in a while, you should go check it out because you, now you actually have the ability to control your own threads on every single uh, forum that's there. So if you start your own thread and somebody posts something you don't think is appropriate, you can just you can just delete it if you want to. Nice. So yeah, it's it's, it's definitely a different forum than it ever was. It still looks the same, but uh, things have been rearranged, more moderators have brought on. Uh, so go to bbs.freetalklive.com. You can get interactive there. bbs.freetalklive.com. Like everything else on our site, it's completely free. Now, uh, I have my Vaporsmiths uh, here with me, even though I never was a cigarette smoker. I just, I love the vaporizers. They're so cool. The e-cigarette from Vaporsmiths.com. You can uh, go to Vaporsmiths.com to learn more about this. But you're, what you're going to learn is that it's an incredible value. If you are a pack-a-day smoker, you can save $120 a month just by switching to the e-cigarette. So not only that, but you're also going to smell better. Your house is going to smell better. You're not going to have to deal with that nasty cigarette mouth. You're not going to have to deal with cigarette smell in your clothes because the e-cigarettes vapor. If, if you've been close to somebody using one of these e-cigarettes before, you know that if you're five feet away, like Julia, you sitting across the table here, if I were to take a hit off of this e-cigarette or a, whatever, a toke or whatever they're called. It's a drag a from dra- a cigarette. Is it a drag? I made the mistake once of saying to my boss something about taking a hit from a cigarette. And he just looked at me and said... Julia, you don't take hits from cigarettes. <laughs> you take drags. And I was just like, uh, you know, because I'm basically revealing yeah, myself as a pot smoker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a one-time pot. You could have been a pot smoker in the past. Right. Uh, but so, It was yeah, awkward, nonetheless. If, if I were to take a drag from this uh, e-cigarette and blow it out, you wouldn't know unless I blew it straight at you. Like, you wouldn't really even be able to tell that I was, that I was using this. It's that discreet. Uh, you can uh, learn more, vaporsmiths.com, and you can get a heck of a deal. In fact, you get free shipping on all orders over 60 bucks, and if you buy 40 cartomizers, you'll get a free starter kit. So you buy the little things you screw on the end of the e-cigarette, you get an e-cigarette. I think actually you get two of them in the starter kit, the charger and the stuff that you need to get uh, get things going. And you get different uh, you know, just different flavors from which you can choose. I'm, I'm using the menthol right now. I like the vanilla as well. And if you like a more cigarette taste, they have uh, Turkish, they have reds, and uh, another one as well. So go to uh, vaporsmiths.com. There are a number of flavors, and I believe they're working on uh, other – like there's a zero one that they're going to come out with soon. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that, but I think it's pretty exciting because – you can use the e-cigarette to wean yourself off of nicotine. So if you're you, if you're a regular cigarette smoker, you start at the full level of nicotine with the e-cigarette. You can cut that down to half level. You can cut it down to like a third. 
So the ultralights is what I have on mine. So it's not not a whole lot of nicotine. In oh, this. so I thought before you didn't have nicotine. So now you're you're going up. You're the opposite, well, right? I'm waiting on the zeros to come out. They haven't started marketing the new zero pack, okay. which is just basically like a flavor pack. So you could wean off from the ultralights and go down to the zero. So now so. you you're going the opposite direction. You're getting hooked on. Uh, I so, wouldn't so say you're gonna I'm go for hooked. the. If you're going to go for the ultralight, you're going to go up to the medium, then up to the. No, no, absolutely not. I, in fact, I tried the the full level, and it's very uncomfortable for me because i'm not used to right well you know it that. takes time you gotta you gotta go up in <laughs> vaporsmiths.com 855 get vapor that's 855 get vapor vaporsmiths.com although some people have picked up a nicotine habit but that's your choice yeah you know? and you don't get all the other nasty chemicals that come with the cigarette it's i think just... tobacco has gotten a bad name because of what government has done to it no doubt about it so we were talking about uh, mdma and the you know, the bad rap that it's gotten over time and how it actually is showing to be really effective in treating PTSD. There's a lengthy piece over at Oprah.com about this, and they talk about uh, MDMA and how it got started. Uh, in 1912, it was included as an intermediate chemical in a patient, or excuse me, patent rather, that the German pharmaceutical company Merck filed for an anti-bleeding medication. Then it all but vanished from sight until 1976, when the psychedelic researcher and former Dow chemist Alexander Shulgin, acting on a tip from a female student he has never named, synthesized MDMA in his lab, and as was his MO, tested it on his, himself. He said at the time, I feel absolutely clean inside, and there is nothing but pure euphoria. The cleanliness, clarity, and marvelous feeling of solid inner strength continued throughout the rest of the day and evening, he said. Therapists in Shulgin's circle began experimenting with the drug in couples and family counseling. One of them, Oakland-based psychologist Leo Zeff, dubbed the drug Adam for what he saw as its power to return patients to an Eden-like state of uncorrupted consciousness. Untold thousands of practitioners have risked their licenses to use MDMA in underground clinical settings since 1985 when the drug was added to Schedule 1, which is the DNA, uh, the DEA's little categorization they have for uh, substances with what they say have yeah, no accepted medical Yeah, they saw people having use. too much fun and it made them uncomfortable. So they went to ban it, which is what they do with every every drug that comes out. Which means no one can use it for purposes aside from recreational drugs. I mean, legitimately. They can't do these studies legitimately. So what they're saying here is these psychiatrists uh, have been doing things under the radar. They've been administering MDMA to people without actually pu- publicizing it necessarily. And they've been getting some interesting results. So to these therapists, MDMA offers the opposite of party-hard escapism. Instead, they see the drug as a catalyst for digging deep into the human psyche. For the four or so hours the dose lasts, it prompts a surge in serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin as well. Uh, MDMA also tames the brain's fear center, uh, the amygdala, I think it's, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, amygdala, and subdues the fight-or-flight response that pushes the nervous system into adrenaline-fueled overdrive in times of stress. Any apprehension a trauma patient might ordinarily suffer is in, in, in therapy, rather, with about revisiting trigger memories or confronting painful emotions is muted, but without the sedative effects of anti-anxiety medications. So MDMA enhances the patient's powers of visualization, but without the involuntary hallucinations conjured by psychedelic Drugs such as LSD or psilocybin. And MDMA has profound and as yet mostly mysterious full body analgesic properties. In an injured veteran or victim of abuse can suddenly enter a world free of pain. A rape survivor or person with an eating disorder can grasp 
what it's like to be comfortable in their own skin. And I'd like to point out, I don't know if the article mentions this, but while this is going on, it's not like drinking. It's um, you're fully aware of what's going on. Your senses are kind of fine tuned almost like it's not. I mean, you're experiencing sort of you're basically processing the way you feel about things differently. But but things around you aren't different. It doesn't come with hallucinations. You know, it's it's very normal feeling. It could be an increase in uh, color, brightness. Very minor, uh, though. Yeah. Supporters of legalized MDMA therapy believe it can be applied in couples counseling and treatment for depression, body image disorders, chronic pain management and end of life anxiety. But the DEA, of course, says, no, it can't be done for anything. You can't possibly get any benefit from this drug. Which I would say if you have PSTD, PTSD. How, sorry, who am I to tell you how to deal with your problems? If you found someone, something that works for you, like who could say anything about that? That just seems so incompassionate to me. It's just Some not know right. It all. Some know it all. Some busybody that would, that would be the who would do that. Many advocates think its best chance at mainstream acceptance is as a tool for people with PTSD. Later this year, Michael Mithofer, a psychiatrist in Charleston, South Carolina, will publish a long-term follow-up results of the small pilot study that Sarah first heard about six years ago. And we've talked about this in the past on Free Talk Live. The outcome of that study is incredible. 17 of 20 subjects no longer met the diagnostic criteria for PTSD after just two or three sessions of MDMA-aided therapy led by Mithofer and his wife, Anne, a psychiatric nurse. 17 of 20. Now, the important part about this is all 20 of those people had already gone through every accepted standard medical procedure, every accepted standard therapy for PTSD, and none of them worked. None of them worked. So this was their last-ditch attempt. MDMA really is that amazing. 1-855-450-FREE, the toll-free number. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up what you want. You're welcome to share your experiences uh, with this, with MDMA. Maybe you've had uh, something that has been amazing for you as well. Or maybe you had a bad time. Maybe maybe it wasn't even MDMA if you had a bad time. That's certainly not likely the case. Uh, More coming up here. This is Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. The new Ruger LC9 Centerfire Pistol, a compact, powerful 9mm pistol designed for discreet carry, is also a full-power, no-compromise backup pistol, incorporating the rugged reliability Ruger is known for. Visit Ruger.com slash LC9 to learn more. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want in the remaining moments here now. 855-450-FREE. 1-855-450-3733. Tonight with you, it's Ian. And Julia. Inviting you to the website at freetalklive.com. If you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us. Go to shop.freetalklive.com. And that's where you'll find links to Amazon. When you click in through one of those links, Free Talk Live will get a portion of your purchase. So you just go to shop.freetalklive.com. Go to the Amazon of your choice and get your shopping done. Get free Super Saver shipping on a lot of their brand new items, even buy used items if you want to. Shop.freetalklive.com. Now then, if you're looking to prepare yourself, like food that you can store for a long time, 
you need to go to wisefoodstorage.com. They offer delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna and savory stroganoff that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry an up to 25-year shelf life. You prepare them in just minutes simply by adding water. And I say up to because they also have like a camping brand that does, you know, is only like seven years. But there are 25 years uh, that some of these things last. Visit wisefoodstorage.com or call 855-FOODWISE today and get your free entree sample. Find out exactly what the taste is like. And for a limited time during the holidays, you can use our promo code, which is FTL, and get no-cost shipping and 10% off of any order. It's peace of mind, the greatest gift that you can give your family and friends for the holidays that are just around the corner. So protect yourself, protect your family, don't delay, and get prepared over at 855-FOODWISE, wisefoodstorage.com. Free sample, free shipping, 10% off any order. Use our discount code FTL for peace of mind at wisefoodstorage.com. As we continue here, more about MDMA in a moment. William's on the line listening in Dallas, Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Julia. Hey, how are you, how are you guys doing, Ian and Julia? Super. William, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, not a lot. I'm just letting you know that I'm drinking a government-approved uh, beverage that, um, <clears throat> you know, a government-approved drug, I should say. Yes, a drug that if you uh, drink too much of will poison you, and uh, you know if you drink a little less than too much, uh, you might wake up sick in the in the morning. Yeah, how, how does that work? How does how does it work that they would allow something like that? You mean? Yes, exactly. <clears throat> you know, I always say that if alcohol came out now, it would be made illegal. The government would push to make it illegal. I think you're right about that. Um, Because they do that with all new drugs, but alcohol has just been in our history as human beings for so long that I, it just doesn't bother people for some reason. Well, it's tolerated. It's accepted as uh, as normal. It's, in fact, in many cases, accepted as a rite of passage in yes. society. It is not well, right. You, know that, you are certainly correct about that. You know, that, that's a great point, actually. Uh, the fact that you point out that if that was if alcohol was some brand new drug like these uh, bath salts or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it'd be illegal immediately. Yep, absolutely. Think about all the problems it causes. I mean, every college town in the country, you know what I mean? Like, as experienced, some of these drunk college kids coming out every every. Well. I don't, in, I don't know if it's fair to say that alcohol causes those problems. It's the irresponsible use, perhaps, of alcohol that does. Because if you're having a beer or two, you're not going to have those problems, I agree. Right? So, William, yeah, other thoughts? Well, no, yeah, well, you know, I was originally going to talk about my zombie podcast, but then I heard you guys talking about, um, usually I listen to the to your guys' podcast, but I was listening to live a little bit, and uh, I was listening to you guys talking about the MDMA. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I heard you guys talk about that before, about, like, after one or two sessions, these guys <clears throat> come back with this post-traumatic stress syndrome and are pretty much cl- cl- uh, uh, cured. Cured. 17 of 20 subjects. Cured. Do you have a website for that or something? It's Oprah.com. <laughs> the the uh, the article here, it's a nine-page article, uh, PTSD and MDMA therapy is what it's if called. If you Google search this, this is uh, there's a ton of information on this. Like recently, this has come out, like within the past year, I would like say. Like Google PTSD, yeah, MDMA? Yeah, exactly. So there you go, William. Hey, anything else you want to share? Well, no, uh, okay, I'll just share my little personal experience. Sure. Uh, um, you know, it's been a long, long, long time, uh, about 10 or, well, probably about 15 years ago. I did some, um, I guess, MDMA, some acid or whatever, and, and it was one of the, 
greatest experiences of my life. Where were you at the time? Well, that's a funny story, and it's a long story, and I'll save you all the trouble that I was in Arkansas and got pulled over by some state troopers, and they were just so proud of themselves for thinking they, they caught me on weed. <laughs> <laughs> and so they didn't find my little... Were you, were you with friends, or were you alone? I mean, what was your circumstance? With a friend, we were looking for a place to crash, and... Um, uh, the first night, the first night we had done some, it was cool. And I always heard you're supposed to do double the next night. I would recommend and not I doing it again the next night, personally. Um, <laughs> and the reason why well, is because you know you you do build up a tolerance very fast with uh, with MDMA, which is why they probably recommended that you do double the next night. Um, it it, uh, it really is. It's a drug that's almost designed to dissuade people from using it because of the the high tolerance that. Uh, that that it can build up. Although some people that are really serious about drugs and drug drug addict types are going to keep building up and building up and building up, and before you know it, they're popping twenty pills or whatever. <laughs> and that's probably why I was told. I mean, it's like I said, it's about fifteen years ago, and and uh, I haven't done it since. And and the, the, when I did the double the second night, the first night it took like forty five minutes to kick in. Mm-hmm. The second night it took like twenty minutes to kick in, and I found myself on the road driving. And it was like being on SpongeBob. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd. Re- I mean, I don't know if I'd recommend people go out and driving uh, on on any no, drug that no. they're unfamiliar hey, with. Let me be very clear and say no. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Thanks, William. Do I appreciate that. hearing from you uh, tonight. Being in the right the right place with the right people is a really important thing. I definitely agree with that. Somewhere you Though, don't have to I have drive to around. say, I had one of the most wonderful experiences driving on MDMA, actually, with you. Sorry, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to point out that I am very experienced with MDMA. This was not, not something I knew was new on at all. And we were driving across. We decided to take the scenic route from Toronto to New Hampshire. We drove oh, yeah, across right. Canada. And I started driving. We took the MDMA, and, and it was amazing. Like, normally when I drive, I... I'm, I like the speed, you know what I mean? And, and I was just taking my sweet time and my senses were very tuned in. Like I was all, uh, the whole time I was very aware of the speedometer and we had the radar detector. I was very aware of the radar detector. We didn't and I take drove, full doses though, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, I think we took bits and bits. Yeah. Like we started with a half and then we took like a little more, but, yeah. and, and it was awesome like i have never i mean i drove for 10 hours straight you know i I like people kept offering to drive and it was like no i am just loving driving and And i really no it was so beautiful too the countryside and i just loved it so when people talk about not driving on mdma and how dangerous it is I, i can't say that i disagree but i don't know i've done it so We'll continue here with Oprah.com. With MDMA, you not only see your fear, but trust yourself to go past it, says Marcella, Marcella rather, Otalor, 52, Colorado therapist, who took MDMA under a psychologist's care in 1984 to treat PTSD stemming from an abusive relationship. She says it shows you how to be kinder to yourself and how much you're capable of. It allows you to access, allows you access to a place in your mind that's compassionate and full of love. You might have abandoned that place. But it never abandoned you. PTSD is not as palpably physical a wound as a burn or a broken bone. But the disorder leaves a real 
physiological scar on the human brain. When a person experiences a traumatic event, a rape, car accident, tour of duty, the fear-stoking amygdala sends panicked messages to other regions of the brain, including the hippocampus. Uh, the adrenal glands flood the body with fight-or-flight stress hormones, searing fragments of the memory onto the mind with a fire that's hard to extinguish. Past events reignite in the present tense, taking the shape of nightmares and flashbacks. It sounds absolutely horrible. What's more, any time the patient stumbles on a trigger, the smell of stale cigarette smoke that she associates with a rapist, a backfiring car that sounds like gunshots in Basra, the amygdala reactivates and stress hormones crank themselves up afresh, reinforcing the memory and creating a vicious cycle. MRI scans of PTSD patients showed decreased volume in the hippocampus and lower activity in the prefrontal cor- cortex, both of which modulate the amygdala. Uh, they go on to say that uh, strong emotional reaction to extreme stress is normal and adaptive. In fact, many of the lessons of extreme stress are important. For example, a person who's injured in a car accident might learn to be a more careful driver. Responding to threats with aggression is highly adaptive in war but can have disastrous effects on a marriage. Or if someone is sexually assaulted, she may learn to mistrust all intimacy and end up depriving herself of emotional support that she needs to cope. This article goes on for several more pages, and I think it's well worth your time. If you find this to be interesting, uh, please go to Oprah.com, search for PTSD and MDMA therapy. They get into more stories about you know people's experience and how it is that this study, 17 of 20 people in this study. This is a very small study, but nonetheless, 17 of 20 is a huge statistical number uh, that uh, they cured their PTSD, which was uncurable. These people were you know, basically diagnosed as uncurable PTSD by all standard medical treatments. MDMA, street drug known as ecstasy, solved it for them. Incredible stuff. See you tomorrow night online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. And remember, arrowid.org for drug research. Do you want to take back control of your own money? Then take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized, anonymous internet currency. And It's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.org. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at WeUseCoins.org. That's WeUseCoins.org.